episode of Chew the Bible. It's your good friend Aaron J. Yancey. And we are, what is it? It is July 22nd, almost six o'clock in the evening. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. As I was just saying to the listeners on IG Live, I uh, am going to try my best. I've said this multiple times, but for real, for real, I'm going to try my best to keep these episodes at 15 minutes. So here we go. I'm going to start off with a psalm, just part of a psalm. How did I lose it that quick? (laughs) Psalm 22. Just part of it. So it says. Where do I want to start at? Here we go. Verse 27. Verse 25. I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows. Before those who fear you, the humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Psalm 22. Pray that, uh, yes, the humble will eat and be satisfied as we eat and we chew in your word, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, we be satisfied and we continue to grow in you. Uh, pray that we continue to seek you and uh, praise you. And may your, our hearts live forever and ever. May you continue to just grow in our hearts. For, forever and ever till it's time for you to come back for your bride in jesus name we pray amen so numbers five it's talking about the isolation of the unclean isolation of the unclean the lord instructed moses command the israelites to send away anyone from the camp who is afflicted with a skin disease anyone who has a discharge or anyone who is defiled because of a corpse Send away both male or female. Send them outside the camps so that they will not defile their camps where I dwell among them. The Israelites did this, sending them outside the camp. The Israelites did as the Lord instructed Moses. Compensation for wrongdoing. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites when a man or woman commits any sin against another, another, that person acts unfaithfully toward the Lord and is guilty. The person is to confess the sin he has committed. He has to pay full compensation at a fifth of its value to it and give it to the individual he has wronged. But if that individual has no relative to receive compensation, the compensation goes to the Lord for the priest, along with the atonement ram by which the priest will make atonement for the guilty person. Every holy contribution the Israelites present to the priest will be his. Each one's holy contribution is his to give. What each one gives to the priests will be his. Verse 11, the jealousy ritual. The Lord spoke to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them if any man's wife goes astray, is unfaithful to him and sleeps with another, but it is concealed from her husband and she is undetected, even though she has defiled herself since there is no witness against her and she wasn't caught in the act. And if a feeling of jealousy comes over the husband and he becomes jealous because of his wife who has defiled herself, Or if a feeling of jealousy comes over him and he becomes jealous of her, though she has not defiled herself, then the man is to bring his wife to the priest. He is also to bring an offering for her of two quarts of barley flour. He is not to pour oil. He is not to pour oil over it or put frankincense on it because it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering for remembrance to draw attention to guilt. 
The priest is to bring her forward and have her stand before the Lord. Then the priest is to take holy water in a clay bowl, take some of the dust from the tabernacle floor and put it in the water. After the priest has the woman stand before the Lord, he is to let down her hair and place in her hands the grain offering for remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. The priest is to hold the bitter water that brings a curse. The priest will require the woman to take an oath and will say to her, if no man has slept with you, if you have not gone astray and become defiled while under your husband's authority, be unaffected by this bitter water that brings a curse. But if you have gone astray while under your husband's authority, if you have defiled yourself and a man under other than your husband and has slept with you, at this point, the priest will make the woman take the oath with a sworn curse. And he is to say to her, may the Lord make you into an object of your people's cursing and swearing when he makes your womb shrivel and your belly swell. May this water that brings a curse into your stomach, causing your belly to swell and your womb to shrivel. I just put wow in the notes I wrote there. And the woman, welcome, Mighty Strong. Hey, I'm doing a marathon episode. Oh, she left. Uh, yeah, I'll keep going. There's someone that somebody came on IG Live. So it says, uh, sorry, y'all, on the podcast. <laughs> I sometimes can get a little distracted. Uh, as people come in on IG Live, I'm still getting used to working out that kink or figuring out how to how I want to do that going forward. Um, I think I'm um, for this since I'm doing the marathon. I'm gonna go ahead and just turn off commenting. And um, yeah, just for this for this while I get through these all these episodes, so I can stay focused. Uh, let's see here. Oh, so that was gonna say, yeah, you don't, you didn't, you don't need cheaters. They didn't need cheaters back then, or a private investigator, or any type of test. To de- this was the test to determine if the wife had cheated. So, I wonder if they had any test for seeing if the husband cheated. But yeah, this is another example of why women sometimes have beef with the Bible, because um, it seems like it's one-sided. But hey. I didn't make the rules. All right. And the woman, like the later on, when we read John chapter eight, when the woman's about to be stoned, the question I always have ask is, where's the man? The woman that's caught in adultery, like, where's the man that was committing the adulterous act? Where is he at? So. And the woman will reply, amen, amen. Then the priest, on verse 23, then the priest is to write these curses on a scroll and wash them off into the bitter water. He will require the woman to drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and it will answer her to cause bitter suffering. The priest is to take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman, present the offering before the Lord, and bring it to the altar. The priest is to take a handful of the grain offering as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar. Afterward, he will require the woman to drink the water. When he makes her drink the water, if she has defiled herself and and been unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings the curse will enter her to cause bitter suffering. Her belly will swell and her womb will shrivel. She will become a curse among her people. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is pure, she will be unaffected and will be able will be able to conceive children. This is the law regarding jealousy. When a wife goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or when a feeling of jealousy comes over a husband and he becomes jealous of his wife, he is to have the woman stand before the Lord. And the priest will carry out all these instructions for her. The husband will be guilt free of guilt. 
but that woman will bear her iniquity. Interesting how that works. Once again, for anyone uh, that just hopped in to watch on the IG Live, I'm doing, going back, I have to do some podcast audio recordings. Uh, so that's what I'm knocking out right now. I'm going back to Numbers 5, and I'm actually going to try to get through the entire book of Numbers tonight. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. And I'm going to try to keep these episodes under 15 minutes long. So that's why I have comments turned off. But uh, going forward in the future, I'm thinking about, I'm just debating on how I want to do comments so that I can keep these episodes short. So, um, or probably what I'll start doing going forward is having comments turned off for while I record for the podcast. And then when I'm done recording for the podcast, I'll turn on comments for like five minutes. And then if anyone wants to, you know, say anything or has anything to add, or you want something to pray, you know, some prayer for, I'll say, Hey, I'm opening up comments uh, for a few minutes. If you got anything to say, go right ahead. If not, I'll go into the next episode. Deal? Good. All right. You can't give me a thumbs up yet, but just so you know, for those, for whoever's watching right now. All right. So I'm still not working the kinks out of this whole thing. So, uh, all right. Tony Evans notes. It says God's holiness was manifested visibly in the tabernacle, which was in the center of the Israelites camp and served as a symbol of his presence in their midst. The regulations of chapter 5 spell out several stipulations regarding how the people were called to be holy because their Lord is holy. The unclean among them had to go outside the camp so that they didn't defile the encampment. The issue here was ceremonially ceremonial uncleanness, not any inherent spiritual inferiority within those who are suffering. So, yeah, he was saying those people aren't. It was just a matter of cleanliness. It didn't mean that they were any less spiritual. Uh, everyone, according to his eyesight, everyone needed to be reminded that any sin in Israel's kingdom community was ultimately a sin against the Lord. King David will understand this. Though he committed adultery, wronging both Bathsheba and her husband Uriah in murder by having Uriah killed, David knew that he had offended God most of all. For it was God who said, do not murder. And do not commit adultery. That's from Exodus twenty thirteen to fourteen. It's gonna be crazy when we get to that story. It says this, and he says this is why David prayed against you, you alone. I have sinned. That's Psalm fifty one four. The point here is that if the woman were innocent, no harm would come to her. But if she were guilty, we're talking about that. Now we're talking about the situation where uh, the woman uh, that may that was being accused, any woman that was accused of cheating on her husband, sleeping with another man. Um, there was a test that God had to determine whether or not she was guilty or not. It's crazy. All right. The point here is that if the woman were innocent, no harm will come to her. But if she were guilty, the curse would supernaturally render her sterile. Some modern critics of the Bible cite that this is an example of how the Bible affirms the oppression of women. But it is actually an example of how God supernaturally protected women before there was any other way to prove their innocence once again this is going to play into factor when we get to john chapter 8 one of my favorite chapters in the entire bible when a woman is about to be stoned you could actually use these two examples of great examples of like god actually does really care about women and their protection and uh even if and that woman was actually caught in adultery in john chapter 8 then he 
he told all his, their her accusers like uh, he was without sin um, cast the first stone and then they walked away from the oldest to the youngest and uh, yeah and then he told the woman go and sin no more so this I would actually I'm actually write John chapter eight here because for me that's almost like a fulfillment of a, like Jesus. So it's another example of Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. How all these years the Israelites couldn't follow the law perfectly, and so Jesus had to come on earth. That's why Jesus had to come. So when people ask like, why do I need Jesus? Why can't I just obey God or follow God? It's like because Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. No man is good. No man. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, according to Romans three twenty three. So John, you could actually yeah look at this story. And then John chapter eight and show why we need Jesus. I won't go that deep right now, but I'll just stop right there. Uh, that's it. Hey, we finished this in 13 minutes. Uh, I will close it out with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this numbers five. Lord. I thank you Lord, as I go back and read, read that, Lord. I just felt like I got some new insight and was able to make a new connection there. I pray that other people as they read, they'll just... Their brains would just light on fire, Lord, with just new connections. Their heart would come alive, and they would just see this word uh, as a lamp unto their feet, a light unto their path, not a dull, boring, old, fuddy-duddy book for a great-grandpa or for grandma, um, but or just a book to just sit on the coffee table, but actually a live and breathing word that will transform and change their lives. I thank you, Lord, for um, those who have not, have not accepted you into their heart. I pray in the name of Jesus, that would just simply say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You said the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy, but you, Lord, came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. So I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would just ask you simply into their heart and uh, just ask you to be the, you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of their life. And they'd be changed from this day forward. And um, just simplify, simplify, simplify the gospel and Take that seed that's planted in their heart and bring other people, other Christians to water on it and help it to grow. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. All right. I'll be back for um, number six.